Eagle looking great. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast, your premier podcast for straight-to-stream science fiction and science fiction-adjacent discussion, reviews, rants. I'm your host, Anthony. And I'm the other host, Chris. Hi, other host, Chris. What's going on, bud? Uh, Not much. Uh, Just getting this recording started a little late because of an eight-pound animal that you can't seem to control. Technically, is that the story? She's sixteen pounds, uh-huh. and the reason why the walk took longer than it should have is because um, I had a disagreement about my wife with my wife about the dumbest thing. Of course, it's very cold where we are right now, and when I say very cold, it's like 50, 56, 55 degrees. It's very cold for us. Yeah, and she opened the door to let the animals out, and then left the door open while she's trying to tell me a story. Mm. And you mm. know, growing up as a child. I was yelled at plenty of times by my mother for letting, she, um, she would say things like, I'm not paying to heat the outside, or I'm not, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not paying to, to air classic. condition the outside or whatever. And so right. I, I've tried my very hardest as as I've grown up to just kind of avoid that statement. But it was really cold and I was wearing socks and the cold air was blowing through the socks. And I was like, shut the door, <laughs> you know, just firmly. <laughs> Yeah. But, but 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 very, very matter-of-factly shut the door. It was she, a command, not a question. And then she yeah. did and was like, well, I was trying to tell you the story. And I was like, well, why didn't you just t- shut the door and then tell me the story? Well, I was already outside. And, and this is where the error, this is where the argument began. Um, because she wasn't outside. She was standing right next to me the entire time. You know, uh, a lot of people, and it, you know, and it's okay that they do this, but a lot of people just can't handle being told that they're wrong. And so that's where the argument came from. And so we stood in the backyard for like th- four or five minutes. And eventually I was like, I don't want to keep talking about this. Let's just go. <laughs> so that's what happened. That's why the walk, that's why the walk took longer is because it mm. took longer to start. Mm. And so, yeah. There's... So you're blaming Elizabeth. No, I'm not blaming Elizabeth. I'm blaming the innate human character flaw of uh-huh. the inability to go, you know what? I was wrong. <laughs> Interesting. Sounds an awful lot like you're blaming your wife, but we'll allow it. I'll yeah, allow it. Which a lot of people do. So They do. Yeah. Did, uh, did you feel the earthquake today? I did not. Did you? Me neither. No, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, a few other people noticed some funny things, and I think Kat said she felt something. Mm. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I trust it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I think it might be a little bit of... Like, I don't know, is it confirmation bias, whatever it is? Yeah, I don't know. I've uh, The closest I've ever come to experiencing an earthquake that was like a, like, that I was involved in directly, not like an aftershock or like a tremor, but when I was a right. kid living in the Philippines, when Mount Pinatubo erupted, there was mm. an earthquake. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and yeah. then a couple of days later, the volcano erupted, so. Nice. That's when you got on a boat and left, yeah? Yeah. I did not experience that one this time. I think, did we get, I don't even know if we technically got the earthquake or if we got an aftershock. They just reached out. I don't know how that all works. I think we had an aftershock like maybe 10 or 15 years ago. I don't know if you were living here when it happened. Mm, Don't think so. I've never experienced a a ground shake. Yeah, I was was walking around in my house at the time, I guess my apartment, and I was standing there and then all of a sudden I felt like a, like a shiver. Mm, And then I looked out and I looked over and like a picture that I had on the wall that was straight was no longer straight 
And I was like, hmm, that was weird. Insidious. And then insidious. <laughs> yeah. And then a couple of minutes later, I got a text message from my mom. I was like, did you just, did you feel the earthquake? And I was like, that was an earthquake. <laughs> oh, that's not an earthquake. Nice. That was a tremor. Nice. So, yeah, I don't know how an earthquake ori- originates near Odessa, but I seem to remember trashing Odessa recently on the podcast, <laughs> and I just feel that much more justified. Well, well it sucks. So, <laughs> well, and apparently it shakes. <laughs> Yeah, that's just Yay. that was just interesting. Yeah, I would never have known that there was a yeah. Well, uh, look, look. If we start getting earthquakes more frequently because of fracking, I will become, I I will be very irate. I will be uncomfortable to be around. <laughs> I think that uh, I will make several stands that yeah. yeah um, you know how like, you know how you you know there's like that type of person who has a belief doesn't matter what that belief is and you might agree with them but they've decided to make that belief their entire personality oh yeah and therefore they are incorrigible is that incorrigible that will be me uh, I, I don't even know if that's the right word but that will be me about fracking <laughs> if i start getting earthquakes about it i will be done so fast the angrier than angry can be angry oh yeah like uh you I mean, i'll put it on wax i'll become an eco terrorist i don't give a crap i'll do it <laughs> I'll fight for our yeah. right to not be, fu- you know, I, uh, shaken. All these, shooketh. all these protesters that are like damaging these paintings. Have you been hearing about these people? Oh, the trying to, yeah, damn, yeah. damn. You mean throwing stuff on glass sure, sure. in front sure, of sure. paintings? Well, yeah. I, I was having a, a, a discussion about it with a coworker, and they said, "Man, I wish they would. I wish they wouldn't do that." And it's like, "You wish they wouldn't do what?" And they're like, "Damage these priceless paintings." And it's like, "Well, you're talking about it." <laughs> They've done everything yep. else. <laughs> the scientists have told us, and uh, this is what this is what they have to do. So maybe you should pay attention when they're talking. But either yeah. way, <laughs> speaking of paying attention to what people are saying, what did we watch, that Anthony? Was a, that was a horrible segue. No, Chris. it's perfect because it'll One matter. Out of 10. It'll matter here in like twenty minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. We watched the nineteen seventy four American science fiction comedy film Dark Star. This is directed and produced by John Carpenter and co-written by Dan O'Bannon. Give you a blurb. In the far reaches of space, a small crew, 20 years into their solitary mission, find things beginning to go hilariously wrong. Uh, Johnny's first film? Yeah, Mr. that's... Mr. Carpenter's? We, yeah, I think we call him Mr. Carpenter. I don't yeah. know if you... Are you on Johnny basis yeah. with Mr. Carpenter? I'll call anyone Johnny. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. His first Feature length release, yeah. Yeah, his first feature length release. This was a recommendation from Twitter uh, from Kathy from at Kathy's Contra. She she suggested this when we were reaching out about low budget sci fi, and I can definitely see why. <laughs> definitely see why. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap up the uh, the facts real quick. This thing is sitting at six point two out of ten stars on IMDb with only twenty five thousand ratings which is much lower than I, I, I uh, expected when I looked it up. A median score of seven, seven garnering 23% of the votes. I didn't look this up anywhere else. I, the problem with looking up aggregate scores on the internet for a movie that came out in 1974 is that the internet didn't exist as it does today. The internet didn't exist in 1974. <laughs> and uh, you know this is all tainted through the lens of watching a movie from 1974, sure. 25 to 45 years later. You know, how old is this movie now? 48, 48 years. 48, yeah, 48 years. 
so I'm, I mean, I'm giving those ratings, but I think that's that's all I care to share. Did you want to talk about any of the other ratings? Uh, well, Rotten Tomatoes has a seeing sitting at 76% fresh based on 29 reviews and 10,000 mm-hmm. audience ratings measured this thing out to be at 64%. And then 78% of Google users like this movie. That number. I'm not going to tell you if that's going to go up or down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> this is John Carpenter's first feature length film. It was actually a student film that they then got funding to make into a larger film. Parts of the film were actually, I'm going to use the word film a whole lot. Parts of the film were filmed years later. You know, like they filmed some in 71, 72, and then come back later, a year or two later to do the rest or do another good chunk of it. So uh, there are portions of it where characters like wearing wigs to match their hair to what it was before. Uh, There's also some redubbing. The character of Talby had a, a thick accent that they decided was too hard to follow. And John Carpenter himself overdubbed all of his lines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a scene where they're f- near the end of the movie where two of the characters, Penback and was it Boiler? Boiler. Are arguing with each other over a gun. And if you look at their voices or their lips, it's not matching because that's not what the original lines were. Uh, it was kind of rewritten and to save money instead of reshooting it, they saved money by just redubbing. Um, so the movie went through some different some different revisions for sure in order to get it A to the length and then B to make it where the, the studio liked it. Do you know who Dan O'Bannon is? No, the name sounded familiar, but I didn't like look him up. Listeners of the show, we used to say this a lot and we kind of stopped saying it, but we don't do any research before we watch a thing unless it's something that we've already watched, which we have broken that rule on more than one occasion. So no, I didn't know. I don't know anything about this movie. I didn't know anything about the actors. Obviously, I know who the heck John Carpenter is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> He's one of the sure. the godfathers of science fiction, at least on film. Um, yeah, and horror and yeah. like, a lot of other things. Yeah. So, he, so Dan O'Bannon co-wrote or like co-wrote or uh, it's a little unclear whether he wrote it or he just helped with the story. Like what both him and John Carpenter are both given uh, credit. Uh, so we don't know who is responsible for what necessarily. Um, he also plays the character Pinback in the movie mm. who has a series of, I guess, funny and then, <laughs> and then not so funny scenes with a beach ball alien. Yeah. And he took that idea he was like, he really liked those scenes because they filmed that whole sequence later. That wasn't part of the original uh, student film. And he wrote a movie called Star Beast, or screenplay called Star Beast, uh, which eventually became Alien. So the idea from Alien, which he wrote, came from his time working on this, yeah. uh, the, this movie. Uh, so that's interesting. I thought that was an interesting little little uh, uh, thread to pull on. Um, he is unfortunately passed. Uh, he passed in 2009 at the age of 63. Uh, but he also did some stuff with Heavy Metal. Oh! Blue Thunder. Yes. Life Force. To- like Total Recall, which we've reviewed on the show. Dude, Blue Thunder is such a badass movie. <laughs> that helicopter, man. <laughs> he also did some on the, there was the TV show. So it hit both. Yeah, so he's super influential in science fiction uh, and yeah. one just movies in general, uh, for sure. Um, screamers. I, the problem with looking up his filmography is that anything aliens related is, quote, based on cr- characters created by. Yeah. So, like, he had nothing to do 
<laughs> with aliens, alien versus predator. Sure. But there it is. Yeah. There it is. And of course, John Carpenter goes on to do lots of things. Legendary director and writer. 60 writing credits. Some of that is also Halloween and characters created by credits. Because he did the first bit of those. But the, the Fog, or at least, yeah, The Fog from 1980. Escape from New York. Do, do, do. They Live. Which apparently he penned under a different name. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Uh, John Carpenter might have had some weight at that point. Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, looking through this. And then, of course, Dark Star. Very important. Do you know my favorite piece of trivia about John Carpenter? No, I don't. His most successful movies are the cheapest ones he's ever made. Yeah, I could see that. If you look at all of his stuff in terms of like box office to budget, mm-hmm. all of his big budget movies are busts. Like Escape from L.A., bust. Was that a bust? Yeah. It's a big... I don't even want to say it's a cult classic, but like it, it did. I don't think it made a whole lot of money. Its budget was fifty million. Its box office was twenty five point five million. So I mean, in terms of like perpetuity and like syndication or whatever, for sure. But like Ghosts of Mars was a big bust. The Assaults on Precinct Thirteen remake, I think, wasn't very good. Yeah, like Halloween, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China, They Live, Christine. All these movies, like they're like low budget, like in terms of like other. Like, I don't want to start, they're indie films, and they became these huge pillars of horror and science fiction, but they didn't have a lot of money, so. Do you think that that, so that could be, it's something we've talked about before when we were discussing FP3, Escape from Baco, and that having restrictions on your creativity leads, can lead to more creativity, Oh, sure. Um, So uh, part of me thinks that, oh, that could be it, right? Like he has a much smaller budget. On the other hand, an indie film that he's doing, especially after he's done some big ones, is probably more of a passion project. And there's probably less studio interference. So I wonder how much of that is on him and how much of that is on Hollywood trying to to leverage him uh, with projects he might not be as uh, excited about. I don't know. That's an interesting... Maybe he's just one of those guys that as soon as you give him money... (laughs) Just like it, like it, the the whatever it is, just spirals out of control. But if you but if you give if you give him like here's sixty thousand dollars, go make a movie. He's like cool. <laughs> so Escape from New York had a budget of six million dollars and had a box office of twenty five point two million dollars domestic. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a success commercially speaking. Now Escape from L A. <laughs> not so much. Yeah, like this is this is great. So Escape from New York. Budget of six million makes twenty five. Escape from L.A. Budget of fifty million makes twenty five. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that's a crazy amount of growth. Ghost to Mars twenty eight million dollars budget, fourteen million dollar box office. So wow, like it's just you know some people just uh, like I think he's even talked about it before. Um, I remember reading that whenever he was I don't remember the movie itself. Let me see if I can find it. But he was talking about a movie that he was releasing. This was in like the fifth, this is like the the 2010s, but he was making a movie and they were like, so, you know, how do you feel about it? And he said, well, they're not giving me a whole lot of money for this one, so it should be good. Like was his exact <laughs> response in the interview, which I thought was really funny. Nice. That's um, cute. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's just, oh no, here it is, The Fog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fog, which is, uh, it came out in 2005. It was a remake of the, a 1980 movie, mm-hmm. budget of 18, box office of 46.2. So... Like, I think he's just one of those, he's one of those directors that's like, I've got a vision and he's like, I'm going to execute it. Just don't give me any cash. 
<laughs> Maybe. I don't, the original okay. Fog, which he was involved in, had a budget of $1.1 $1. and made over 20 Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, well, this is... I mean, as much as this is uh, a John Carpenter Wikipedia deep dive <laughs> podcast, uh, we are here to talk specifically about Dark Star. I watched this film on a new service I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. I think when we recorded last, I talked about and I told everyone that it was on Amazon Prime Video, uh, which is mostly a lie. Uh, so it is on Prime Video, and I thought it was available to to watch if you have a Prime subscription, but it is not. Uh, it is available with an add-on that's like $2.99 or $3.99 a month for Shout Factory TV, and I had no idea what that was. Hmm. So I look up Shout Factory TV, go to their website, I'm like, okay, it's got movies, I guess. I type in Dark Star, there's the movie for free. So they're hosting it for free on their website, but if you want to stream it through Amazon Prime and uh, Prime Video instead, three bucks. Uh, so anyway, so I watched this with no ads, nothing. Um, I believe you showed me that it was on YouTube uh, with ads to watch for free. So do that. So that's that's available to you. Definitely, definitely check it there. Before we dive into the, our opinions, and maybe maybe this will get it pretty close to them, so this might be a segue, but how did you feel about the G rating on this movie? I didn't even realize it was G rating until a very particular scene occurred, and then I went back and looked at it, and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Rated G, huh? General audience. But, I mean, it was yeah. 1974. Things are a little different then, so mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect with the G rating. I don't think... I think we've watched one other... Was Tom and Jerry G-rated? I don't remember. I didn't even... Like, is G still a rating? Yes, it is. Fair enough. Tom and Jerry. Uh, it's got to be PG, right? Why am I having trouble finding this? Uh, is it on IMDb? Is that where I would find it? Yeah, you'd find it on IMDb or Wikipedia. PG. PG. Okay, so this Wikipedia. is the first G-rated film we've watched. Wikipedia. We've seen lots of quote-unquote unrated films because they're indie films that don't go through sure. that process. It's interesting that they, they, if you read through some of the trivia on Wikipedia or on uh, IMDb, they actually edited the film down to G. Uh, when they're in their quarters, there's some blurred out images on the wall. Some lines were redubbed to be um, have less intrusive language. But yeah, it this would not be G coming out today just as is 100% as is would i think it would at least get pg it's very interesting the different uh, the different approach to the ratings uh, once again this isn't a motion picture association of america deep dive <laughs> we're not going to sit yeah. here and talk about the history of what was it the uh, was it the hayes system or hayes I don't uh, know. code or something like like the, the pre mpaa uh, system whatever um, the film, oh, film rating system was introduced in 1968. So it's less than 10 years old this time. So yeah, it's probably a bit more volatile. I know uh, we talked a week ago that uh, PG-13 wasn't a rating quite yet. Uh, so like that jump from PG to R was was pretty uh, pretty fast. Substantial, yeah. Yeah, very substantial. Let's just get in the film. Let's get into the film. We've kind of danced around it a little bit. I think we've talked okay. a lot of facts. There's a lot of history to this film uh, to talk about. I think if you were going to, if we were a more essay style podcast. This would have been a great film to do that on. We could have deep dived a lot of things, but why don't you share with us your thoughts, opinions, initial impressions? How did you feel about this movie? I'm still confused. That's how I feel about this movie. So I said it before and I'll say it again. We don't do any research. So when I 
started watching this movie, I did not realize that some people would consider, I, I didn't realize it was a comedy. I didn't realize like that there's like parody or satire or like they're poking fun or trying to lampoon 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like even if you look at the cover on Wikipedia, the spaced out Odyssey, I couldn't find the comedy until the beach ball appeared. And then I was like, oh, yeah. it's, just, it's a joke. I get it now. It's a total joke. At first I was like, man, this is just, I was like, man, this is a terrible movie. And then I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then right, right when the beach ball scene was happening, that's when I decided to look it up. And then I saw that it was a comedy film. Whether that was intentional or not at the time, I don't know. I'm not here to judge. My only major issues with this film, I guess, is just the quality of the filming, which is something that I've, mm. I have I mentioned before on another movie, which I can't remember. Because back then, the term filming literally meant transferring what you are seeing through a camera to a celluloid film. And then a reel would project that through a light, and then you that's how you would watch it. Well, now they don't do that. So the word film is still used. It's just like the context is really gone. Like maybe they just didn't have a really great camera. Maybe the film yeah. quality they had wasn't great. I don't know. Um, so that's my only real complaint is just the quality of the picture, which, you know, it is what it is. Complaining about that's not going to change it. No, I mean, it's a student film made in a budget of $1,000. Sure. A good chunk of it, right? So, yeah. Like I, I said, I, I get you. Like I said, not com that's my only complaint. In terms of the acting, now that I've learned that some of the lines were dubbed, that makes more sense. I think, in terms <laughs> of the physical acting itself, it does a pretty good job of establishing the characters. The set was pretty good. So, like, I was really surprised for some of the effects. I really liked costuming. There's a scene in which uh, I think Talby is his name has like a muffin tin on his yeah. on his spacesuit. I thought that was really cool. I was like, is that a muffin? That's not a that's a muffin tin. Okay, that's a muffin tin. I thought that was a lot of fun. I think all in all, like for a for a film debut, I think this really paints John Carpenter in a, a very particular light for me. I mean, he's already a legend, but like this really just shows you like the creativity, the ability to execute a vision. I was really impressed. I had a lot of fun watching it. Parts of it were hard to watch, but again, now that I've learned that some of the audio was dubbed and there were reshoots, that makes more sense. I think the funniest character in the entire movie is the bomb, bomb number 20. Oh, yeah. Probably one of my favorite characters of uh, of this year in terms of our podcast. Spoilers in 321. Uh, there's a malfunction on the ship. He keeps getting deployed and they keep telling him that, hey, you're not supposed to be deployed. I think after the second time, he's like, okay, but if I'm deployed again, <laughs> I'm going to blow up. And then the ship's like, yeah. cool, man. Red. Yeah, cool. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No. Yeah. What about you? Bomb 20 is the best character in this film. Um, I can't say that I enjoyed this film while watching it. As much as I enjoy, I have enjoyed thinking about it for the last several hours. Okay. I think when you're in it, especially when it starts, it's difficult to to know like even with the guy at the beginning sending them the video message and and setting everything up for us i feel like it doesn't it, i just don't quite know what's going on and it isn't until you get like the full picture and you understand these people's relationships that it actually actually all comes together and like and i'm actually kind of eager to rewatch it now that i, I kind of know where who the characters are and where they like where they end up i knew it was a comedy because i saw when I was looking for it, right, to see where to stream it, I saw it was listed as comedy. The scene with the three of them in that command module, which is way too cramped. 
Um, the three of them in the command module just banging their heads to the music and then the computer's like i'm sorry i must mute your recreational music now yeah <laughs> i was like oh okay i get it i kind of it's like this weird not laugh out loud but kind of sly off-putting humor like it's not guardians of the galaxy sci-fi comedy there's not it's not one-liners it's not jokes except that scenes in and of themselves are jokes if that makes sense like there's nothing in the dialogue for the most part there's nothing in the dialogue that's a joke I thought there was an audio issue at one point where the guy starts telling the story. Pinback starts telling the story about how he uh, isn't Pinback, which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> and like it starts, it mutes, it mutes him a little bit, like it not muted, like it makes him muted. I should say, like it lowers his volume and it's looking at the other guy, like it's we've got a, a close up on the, another character, and he's like, "Hey, didn't he tell us this four years ago?" And then they yeah. keep using that line over and over again. Uh, I think it was about four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what I said four years ago. And like, Are you sure? And then like a long pot. Yeah, I think it was four years ago. Like, as he's telling the story about how he shouldn't be, be there, isn't qualified, isn't even the person they think he is. Yeah. Like, they, you've told us this already. We don't care. After the whole scene with the beach ball alien and then the scene with... I'm sorry. And for the people who haven't seen this movie, when we say beach ball alien, we mean a beach ball that has been painted flesh colored. And then some spots, and it has a couple of hands at the bottom, and then it hops around or moves with someone controlling it off screen. That's what we mean by beach ball alien. Yeah, quite figuratively. Yeah, yeah, it, we're being pretty literal right now. He is stuck in an elevator shaft, and it's just an immense amount of peril. All like it's this huge shift, and then it ends in a joke with him walking out of the elevator shaft with his hair frizzled because explosions went off. Yeah, and he's trying to tell his crewmates about it and they just don't care they're like oh yeah all right yeah well if no one cares i'll just stop telling this story they're like okay yeah yeah thanks please (laughs) shut up stop they're just so far gone like the was it lieutenant doolittle the commander of the ship the i guess replacement captain is like don't give me anything about intelligent life i don't want to look for intelligent life i don't care what the odds are give me a planet to blow up. Yeah, it's my job. I'm out here blowing up. This is my up job. I'm out here blowing up Unstable planets, yeah. Which, like, if they're just going to fall into their own suns, you don't you don't need to waste money exploding them, but whatever. <laughs> uh, stopping the bomb from exploding by giving it an existential crisis, fantastic. The fact that that was short-lived and, and bit them in the butt uh, because, the, the, because he just started quoting Genesis 1-1, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so definitely... At the time, it felt surreal, and it felt I was like, "What? What is happening? Why is it happening?" It's definitely got some layers to it. I'm really happy I saw this. I don't know if I can recommend this movie to anyone that's not a a film student. I think if you're a film student, you see this film 100. percent Like, uh, it, it's obvious. Like, looking at the history of it and knowing who's involved. It's obvious influence on on a lot of things that came after. I think it's worth it's worth watching. I think if you're real deep into science fiction cinema, like real deep into it, not just from a me and you perspective, and not just from a I like to go watch sci-fi movies at the theater, but like real <laughs> deep into the history of it, then you've probably already seen this film. And if you haven't, you should. Yeah. If you're just looking for a sci-fi blockbuster movie to watch, and you're just looking for some entertainment, I I don't know if this is it. Yeah, I mean, j- just a quick, uh, we're going to do the thing where we read stuff other people have written. Please. Hideo Kojima 
has revealed that the voice for a character called iDroid was inspired by Darkstar. Apparently, Red versus Blue <laughs> was in, was yep. inspired by Darkstar. I don't know how that makes sense, but sure. Well, the there's a sentient bomb as a main character in Red versus Blue in a, in a oh. early mid season. Yeah, for sure. And he, they keep having to talk him down from exploding. Danny Boyle had made a movie called Sunshine back in 2007, which is pretty good. Pretty good movie. The antagonist's name is Pinbacker, clearly inspired by Pinback. And apparently, you already kind of talked about this, after witnessing audiences failing to laugh at parts of Darkstar, which he intended to be humorous, O'Bannon commented, well, if I can't make them laugh, maybe I can make them scream, which is how (laughs) the the idea for the movie Alien came about. Yeah. So very funny. Um, No, really interesting. Like, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, this is a movie that diehard fans of the genre will probably watch you know uh, anyone who's a fan of john carpenter's filmography will probably like it i don't know like again if you're out here looking for like a serious like oh man i'm, I'm looking for indie films like indie science fiction movies like i mean i i'm not saying you shouldn't watch it i just don't know if you'll enjoy it because mm. this movie is very much a i don't want to say like Product of its product of its time is probably the wrong phrase, but this definitely is a movie that's a product of its budget. Like you, you have to go into it knowing that you're watching a student film slash independent movie. Because if you just if you look and you're like, oh, like if you're at the budget or the budget bin, right? We've talked about this. You're at your favorite big box store late at night. You're by yourself. Maybe you're with your partner or a friend. You walk in by the discount DVD section and you're like, Dark Star. Oh, John Carpenter wrote this, or John Carpenter directed this. Four dollars? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm gonna buy it. You pop this sucker into your Xbox or your PlayStation, whatever you use to play your DVDs, your laptop. You know, like, and you're like, no one has. Yeah, no one has an actual DVD uh, player. Or they're gonna be player like, anymore, yeah. man, this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. you're just gonna miss the point. When you buy the Blu-ray of this movie, you get a theatrical release and an and a director's cut or something like that. Like one is because it was the film was. They added scenes to it to make it feature length. I think it was, they said, uh, 85 minutes, so it released in theaters. Mm-hmm. But there's a shorter version mm-hmm. um, without some of the fluff. The, then both versions are on the, the Blu-ray or DVD release. That's cool. Very, very interesting. I, I felt like, I, and I want to I make sure, like, I appreciate this film immensely. I don't want to call it artsy, because I think it kind of, I don't know if it predates artsy, uh, at least the, the way I use it normally. It's just very unique. Very, very unique. I mean, yeah, man, you could take the premise of of a of a maintenance worker getting rushed into a, a rocket and sent because they think he's an astronaut and sent somewhere else. You could make that into a comedy very quickly. Like you could make an entire comedy around that character. You could make a show, a movie. You could yeah, do they all did. sorts of things. Yeah, they did. It's called Futurama. Oh, that is that is like well, pretty I, close. Yeah, I, I I slightly disagree with the fact that you said it's not artsy because I do believe it is. Yeah. John Carpenter does a really good job of blending just regular old elements, but like trying to give you a message. And I, I don't necessarily know if that that hits home with this because it's his first movie and they reshot it a couple times. But the like the artsiness is there. The former commander oh, sure. of the the former commander of the mission, uh, a gentleman named uh, Powell, apparently died, but he's still technically alive. He's just stuck in cryogenic stasis, but they can still talk to him. And the first thing he asks anybody when they get him, when they start to thaw him out is, how are the Dodgers doing? Like, what? Yeah. Just like the idea that in the future, 
you're traveling on this crazy space. I don't know. It's, it's called a scout ship. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bare minimum requirements for that. But they're they're traveling around in space in the future, and this dude's asking how a baseball team is doing. Like now, like later on, other science fiction genres and, and other intellectual properties would take that idea not not specifically from John Carpenter but the idea that in the future people like cuz it happens even now in 2022 we're still fascinated by things that happened 6 or 700 years ago like people still larp people still cosplay mm-hmm. people go to historical reenactments we're still obsessed with the past and even in the future the fact that it still happens i think is that's poignant it is. And like the other like like the other artsiness, like the idea of turning what appears to be a shipping container into a bomb, you know, that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I think what I mean by I'm not sure if I'd call it artsy is I don't know if I have the eye or the ability to tell you if this film is artsy or if it's just filmed in nineteen seventy one and that's what films looked like. Like I'm not I don't have enough yeah. context if that makes sense. Like if this film came out today. Absolutely. Artsy as hell. I can't compare it to its contemporaries because I, I don't know if I've seen enough from that era, enough non-Westerns from that era to really, uh, to really know. Well, I mean, we saw, uh, you, we've already seen, I mean, I, I assume you've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. We just watched Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. That's still over 10 years later. Sure. It's post Star Wars. This is pre Star Wars. That's very different science fiction at that is, point. Yeah. Is this pre Star Wars? Yeah. Star was Wars. This was this released in seventy four. Started filming in seventy one because of the seventy seven. Yeah. Is it seventy seven or seventy six? Yeah, seventy seven. Six. Seventy seven. Okay. May. So there's that. Yeah. May twenty fifth. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah, I get it's that. Interesting. Yeah. I just, I just don't know if I can make that a, that a, I'm not going to sure. begrudge you making that yeah. statement, but I don't know if I'm well, I mean, it knowledgeable is a, enough. It, it is also a student film, right? And I think that if you're going to go to film school and you make a student film and it's not artsy, you're probably going to fail your class. <laughs> that being said, yeah, I mean, all that yeah. being said, if you look at John Carpenter's Wikipedia page, it does say alma mater, University of Southern California dropped out. <laughs> oh, <no>. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, why would you continue to go to art, the, to uh, film school when your student film gets immediately picked up to be for a theatrical release? At what yeah. point can they teach you? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, University of Southern California is listed as a production company on this film. So uh, that's that, pretty They rad. probably funded part of it because of using yeah. campus resources and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's still cool. Yeah. Props, fantastic. Sets, Fantastic. I, I mean, I get that the elevator shaft was just them putting the camera sideways and he's just laying on the ground. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I get that. I mean, that's fairly obvious, especially with his hair falling the wrong way. <laughs> My favorite prop scene or prop thing that I noticed is when Talby is in. I don't know where. I don't even know the, how this ship is designed, but he's in, I guess, <laughs> an area that also is the emergency escape airlock whatever yeah yeah and the door closes and listeners are sure you can't see it but i'm doing the quotation marks fingers the door closes and it's someone just walking in front of the camera with whatever <laughs> the walls are made out of and they just spin it a couple times to make it look like an aperture is closing and it's like oh okay yep. cool i get it i get it yeah, i yeah, get yeah. it yeah i get it yeah why yeah. the hell not man why the hell not yeah I mean, I kind of talked about how I, I don't know if I 
like the film from an entertainment standpoint, but I like everything else. Did you like this movie? Yeah, no, I I did. Like I said, like I'm still confused by it because <laughs> like I'm just not I'm still not sure exactly what the hell happened. Like I like and it, again, it could just be that some of the context was lost when they refilmed scenes or when they overdubbed, but why were there all these malfunctions? Like we'd never really get any information well, about I mean, the malfunctions. Is it because they actually don't have a crew that's supposed to be there? Like why were the original quarters damaged? They don't really mention it. They just say they stopped well, working. They, they also at the very beginning, you know, Earth responds to them and talks they talk about how they had a week of mourning for Commander Powell, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then because he died because of a radiation uh, leak in his chair or whatever, mm-hmm. it was malfunctioning. And then they also immediately denied their request yeah, for, for additional radiation shielding. So I think the ship has just been breaking down and no one is helping them fix it. Sure. Yeah. I think that's the the idea. Yeah. But he also says something like, you know, we, we've been in space for a long time, but we've only aged four years. Yeah, they've like, been in space for 20, only aged three years. Yeah, yeah something like Because of light that. speed, yeah. Yeah, sure, of course, yeah. Sure. That's how it works. I mean, kind I mean, of, I, yeah. I, I assume. I assume it works like that. I don't, I'm not a scientist. But ha- having, like, AI bombs, probably not a good idea. I'm just going to go ahead and call <laughs> that one out. Like, yeah, sure. And maybe that's, like, that's probably them making fun of 2001 A Space Odyssey, like, how right like everything is an ai like ooh, the ship has an ai ooh, the bombs have an ai ooh, this yeah. gun probably has an ai <laughs> i think i liked it like as a student film as a science fiction film and as an independent film i think all three of those can be likes for me okay just the idea of this movie i think is really fun because like because this movie's been made again and again and again which is an overmatched crew going up against, you know, impossible odds that they themselves or maybe like their direct superiors created. I talked about that Danny Boyle movie, Sunshine, very much similar to this this movie, Dark Star. They're stuck on a ship in the middle of space on this impossible mission. Things start to break around them. It ends a little differently, but it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like Apollo 13, people in space, breakdowns, improvising, adapting, overcoming. Not as much comedy. There's no comedy in Apollo 13? I, I said not as much. Oh, okay. <laughs> there still are funny scenes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Like Interesting the, frozen, that, the frozen hot dog is pretty funny. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, those are extreme examples, but the idea of like an overmatched crew in an overtly complicated situation, um, you know, 3022, great example. Well, I'll take that back. Mm-hmm. Unexample. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I get you. I'm having a lot more fun discussing this movie than I did watching this movie. Oh, no, same. Which makes me want to tell people to watch it, but I feel like I feel like I also want them to watch other things I recommend, so <laughs> it, it's going to be something that's very... Uh, I got to be very selective on who I recommend yeah. this to, for sure. Yeah. And I got to I gotta give a, another thanks to, uh, to Kathy, at uh, Kathy's Contra on Twitter for recommending it. This is perfect. This is a, it's weird because we do low budget or independent straight to stream, straight to DVD, which all means low budget science fiction or fantasy, which usually means bad. Or it's like, cause even other things we've watched that are artsy are still not good. Yeah. Well, you didn't like, you didn't like doors. Didn't, didn't 
like doors though no. yeah Portals? that's very artsy doors that was very doors. artsy yeah. uh the beyond uh that was i don't even know if that was artsy as much as it was just stupid was it um what was <laughs> someone trying to be artsy yeah yeah uh, the one i think we ended up kind of liking it with the guy in the mandalorian suit the witch hunter one maleficent yeah the short Malific- film no Malifi- Mal- malefica Malefica. That oh wow! One of those is a Disney film, and I don't know what is it. Malefica is that the non Disney? Maleficent is the Disney movie. Disney yeah. is that the Angelina Jolie? Yes. Is that the one with the girl from Hackers? And she, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was right. trying to there. I was like, "There's two girls in Hackers." Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, she was in that other movie, Cyborg Two. Any, anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, like that. That's artsy, but I like it as a short film. I would be very interested to see the forty-minute student film version of Dark Star. Yeah, I know it does not exist anywhere, and it's not. I mean, with the way film was like actual film, it's not like you just have tons of extra footage laying around. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's kind of get my like half recommendation. I think if you fall in those categories, absolutely. But I feel like if you fall in those categories, you probably already knew about this movie and have probably already seen it. But email us about it. <laughs> but yeah, but email us about it. Let us know what you thought. I mean, are we way off on some of our analysis? Is there something we missed about this film? Is there another unique piece of trivia uh, or its history or influence that we uh, should have shared and didn't? Well, email us, scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. Uh, also send us suggestions for other straight-to-stream, straight-to-DVD, or just a general low-budget science fiction and science fiction-adjacent films or, or shorts for us to watch. Uh, we'd really, really appreciate it. We're always looking for new things. Did you find an idiot of this movie, Anthony? Yeah, it's got to be Doolittle, right, for turning off Talby's <laughs> communicator? Yeah. Getting Talby blinded and killed. We're really getting everyone killed because of it. Uh, I... For me, it's got to be Pinbeck. Okay. Because he's the one who let the alien out. But the, uh, but the alien no. didn't do anything. Yeah, no, the alien messed with the laser, which caused yeah, all the which I caused guess. the malfunctions with the bomb. But Doolittle, the buck stops at the top, and Doolittle ignored everyone's warnings. The computer, yeah, Talby, yeah, he didn't pay attention to Pinback when he was telling him what was going on. Didn't care about you know. He said, "Call me when something important happens." to the most important thing that had happened the entire movie. So I, I hard disagree. Okay. Even if Pinback is at fault, it's still on Doolittle that everything went as horrible as it did. So what you're saying is Doolittle is responsible for all the problems because he's the commanding officer. But uh, the way he, he handles, he's responsible for the way he handles the problems when they came to him and he chose to ignore them. So there they are. Well, let me let me ask you this question: Is he respon- okay. Is he responsible for problems that someone else could or could not have caused? Right? Because if Pinback never met, never tries to feed the alien, mm-hmm. right? Like had he never decided to keep it in the first place, because that's what they talk about. Like you know, you're the only one who wants <laughs> yeah. it around here. Um, if he never keeps the alien, then we don't have an issue with the laser. That doesn't mean that the laser wouldn't have had problems later. Let's, but it, it, let's it, take it, a step. No, I'm going to take a step back because Doolittle could have told him to get the alien off the ship at any point. Sure. Yeah, you're right. When you're the captain of a ship and someone says, there's a problem, we need to fix this. And you go, nah. And don't even know, like don't even investigate, try to figure out what's wrong with the, the thing that is keeping you alive. You know, the ship. You're a bad captain. He goes on the bad captain list. Him and Captain John, huh? Right next to Captain John. In fact, mm. he might be worse. <laughs> uh, That's fair. 
I'll yeah. accept it. I accept I'm it. sorry. Uh, you, you can you can give me somebody else. I'll, we can talk about it. But I I just think the buck stops at the the one guy who had the the ability to stop everything. Yeah, no, that's fair. I accept it. Yeah. Okay. Look, I don't really want to put Kelsey Grammer in this film, so I'm not going to ask you that question. <laughs> Unless you had a prepared bit. Did you have a prepared bit? No, I was just going to say, okay. um, I was just going to do Cameo Corner. Yeah, let's jump right to Cameo Corner. Go for it. want to give a shout out to Nick Castle, uncredited as the uh, beach ball alien. Also <laughs> credited as Halloween, The Shape. The Shape again in Halloween from 2018. The Shape one more time in Halloween Kills 2021. And then Flasher in Halloween 2022. But also a pianist in Escape from New York. So, really? Yeah. So yeah. Nice. That's my cameo corner. Very cool. Yeah, that's a good cameo. Also directed uh, The Last Starfighter. Ooh. Which is a really fun movie. And Major Pain. Two very different films. And then uh, Dennis the Menace. <laughs> wow. That's like the George Miller approach. I'm going to make Mad Max, and then I'm going to make Happy Feet. Yeah, then I'm going to make <laughs> then, I'm gonna... <laughs> then I'm going to make more Mad Max. Like, oh, okay. You do yeah. you, bro. Yeah, you, sure. you, do know, you. you know, they say working actor. These, these guys are working directors. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the end of the bits. Yeah. Calling it. We did two and a half bits. If you liked the podcast, please give us that thumbs up, the heart, the follow, the subscribe, whatever it is on your podcatcher of choice to uh, show your support and get notified when new episodes are released. And then after that, if you would share us with your friends, I'd personally really appreciate it. If you hated the podcast, go ahead and share us with your enemies. Chris yeah. appreciates when you do that. Yeah. Next week, we're going to, and I'm about to surprise Chris with this news. Next week, we're going to take a week off because of Thanksgiving oh, yeah. here in the United States. Won't have the opportunity to record. So the Monday after Thanksgiving, unfortunately, no new episode. But we'll be back the week after that with uh, our first, I think this will be our first real-time theatrical release movie review. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for the, uh, I know what it is. Go ahead and tell tell the listeners. Oh, yeah. You, you know what it is, which is why I'm going to tell everybody. Yeah, yeah. Violent Night. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because uh, Santa Claus counts as sci-fi. There it is. So this is the first time we were reviewing a movie that's in theaters. I think we chose a good one, Chris. I'm really I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this. Uh, so that comes out that next weekend. We'll be watching and reviewing that for your listening pleasure. Do you want to blurb the people on Violent Night? I can. We're like, man, we are like so prepared today we're so good <laughs> no one has to know that <laughs> no they you know i don't I, think, I know you say that i'm the editor but i don't know if you understand how much editing i actually do i didn't need to know. blurb for violent night when a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family santa claus must step in to save the day open parentheses and christmas close parentheses <laughs> i actually i <sighs> saw half a trailer for this at a restaurant on a muted television with no subtitles. And I've seen five seconds of trailer for it on IMDb because it auto plays when I looked up the blurb and it was just Santa Claus at a bar with a beer. <laughs> I'm in. I'm definitely in. It's got Looking David, forward to that. David Harbour in it? David Harbour as Santa Claus. Yeah. He's been in a couple <laughs> things, but if you've ever seen Stranger Things or the new Hellboy movie, you probably know who David Harbour yeah. is. Now he was in Black Widow, yeah. Yeah. A movie that we should have reviewed. I think we were going to and then you... Extended. Did I bail on it? Yeah, which is fine. Is that my fault? 
It's your prerogative. It's your podcast. It is. It is my podcast. Stay healthy. Stay hydrated. And uh, if you're the commanding officer of a ship, General Chang once made a very good point in court that you are responsible for the actions of your crew. Thanks for listening. What is that? Uh, we're over an hour into recording, and then we get to the Star Trek reference. <laughs> I'm proud of Fantastic. it. Fantastic. That's pretty good. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you liked what we, we talked about or you liked the podcast, please share us with your friends. If you hated us, please share us with your enemies. Um, Next week. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay. Uh, are we not doing any bits? Oh, shit. Well, I mean, you're the oh, editor, man. so you can always cut what you just said and put it in a different place. So, ah, um, that's true. <laughs> no, we'll just, we'll just re, we'll just go for it.